0: Today we're talking about a man who was never part of the church, but would impact church history and still is impacting the church today. We're telling the story of Mohammed. Last week I told the story of Gregory the Great. To have a deeper understanding of both the church at this time period and an understanding of how Islam came into existence, it's good to listen to both of these episodes together. This week's episode Muhammad and last week's episode, the story of Gregory the Great. While Rome was fighting for its survival, the Arabian desert was left basically untouched. However, it was not an easy place to live. Disease, extreme heat, famine, all took its toll on the people. Most families had people they had lost from disease, starvation, or crime. Jews in the area were mostly merchants. This group didn't take Judaism very seriously, but there were Jews that came and had synagogues set up in the area. The Christians in this area were followers of a heresy called Nestorianism. This is the theology that was created by a man named Nestorius before he died in 450. This teaching believed that the two natures of Jesus, the human and the divine, were joined by his will. The teaching said that Jesus was born a man and then later was adopted into God's family and then became God. So there was pagans, there was a small group of minimally religious Jews, and a church that believed Jesus was born man and then became God later in life. This was the religious settings in this area. Like Rome had been held together by its pagan worship and then by the church, the Arabian desert was held together by pagan worship and specifically a black rock that had fallen from the sky. The rock was held in a large box called the kebab. There were many gods that were all worshipped at this one box. Every year, pagans from all around would make a trip or a pilgrimage to the Kaaba and worship around the box. They would worship the rock and they would rub it. Into this world, a young mother gave birth to a little baby boy. The father had died recently and she was left alone to raise this baby and basically try to keep it alive. She named him Mohammed. Mohammed's family was part of the Quresh tribe. The god they worshipped was named Aliyah, or translated, The God. He was the moon god and known as the best god, or the most important god. Aliyah was eventually changed to Allah. When Mohammed was six years old, his mother died. He was adopted by his uncle. Mohammed grew up poor He was not given any educational opportunities at all. He never learned to read or write. At age 19, he moved out of his uncle's home and was on his own. Things started to look up for Mohammed when he was 25. An older woman named Kadia, who was rich, took notice of Mohammed and married him. He then was able to live comfortably. He started to work as a kind of salesman for her. He was able to travel and sell her goods. His new family was part of a Christian sect called Ebionites. The Ebionites were a branch off of Christianity. They followed the heresy teachings that Jesus was a good teacher, but not God. As Muhammad traveled, he met Christians and Jews and listened to their stories. He was interested in the stories that they had because he could not read or write he was not able to write down any of the stories or even get a Bible. Because the church in his area was full of heresy, it is not surprising that they also followed the teachings from books that had been rejected as parts of the Bible. And these books were stories of Jesus' childhood. that included things like him talking from his crib, or creating a bird and then bringing it to life. When Muhammad was 40 years old, he started to take his pagan worship more seriously. His tribe followed the moon god, Allah, and Muhammad would walk two hours to an area with caves, then stay in the caves and meditate and pray to Allah. One day, as Muhammad was praying to Allah, he was visited by a spiritual being. Muhammad was terrified. The being told him to write down what the being said. Muhammad said, I can't read or write. This being became angry and attacked Mohammed, who felt like he was being strangled and he couldn't breathe. The being released him and said, Write down what I say. Mohammed cried again, I can't read or write. This happened three times, and eventually the being disappeared. Mohammed in fear ran all the way home. He covered himself and he cried. His wife finally got the story out, and then she took Mohammed to her cousin. He was old and blind, so obviously wise. Now, this cousin was from the Abunite church and surrounded by those who follow the Nestorius teachings. He wasn't really that clear about Christian teachings, but that didn't stop him from giving advice. He said the story sounded exactly like the time Gabriel visited Moses. Now, if you've read your Bible, you will know Gabriel never visited Moses. And also, there's never a story in the Bible about someone being almost strangled to death by Gabriel. He is a messenger angel and not a warring angel. Still, Mohammed who thought he'd been visited by a devil or a demon now believed he'd been visited by Gabriel. When Mohammed goes back to the cave, he's again visited by the same being. He's so distraught by these visits, he tries to kill himself by throwing himself off the cliff. But the beings stand in his way and stop him from jumping. Muhammad begins to tell people the stories that the being is telling him. And he begins to see himself as a prophet. And he tells other people they have to listen to him. Muhammad begins to preach. To the pagans, he says Allah was the moon god they've always worshipped. And that all the other gods must go. They must only worship Allah. To the Jews and Christians, he says Allah was just an Arabic way of saying God, the same one they worshipped, Yahweh. There were three main teachings. There's only one God, be careful, be warned, judgment is coming, and give money to the poor. In fact, Muhammad ends up adopting a boy who was one of his wife's slaves and made him go from being a slave to a son. He was very peaceful and he seemed to really care about the poor. The Jews and the Christians at first didn't really see a problem with his teachings but then things got weird. First of all he said everything he spoke was from Allah who was the only one true God and the same God as the Jews and the Christians. However when telling the stories he claimed Moses spoke to Samaritans. The Samaritans had not even been a race when Moses was alive. He got Jesus's mother confused with Moses's sister he used children's fables from Jewish homes about Solomon and Queen she- and Queen Sheba as factual stories, even though everyone knew they were just funny stories parents told their children. He got the stories of Saul and Gideon mixed up, and he said the pharaohs in Egypt had crucified people, even though that method of capital punishment was not invented until the Romans many years later. And he claimed that the church was wrong in its teachings on the Trinity, because Mary was not God. The church has never, ever, anywhere in its teachings said Mary was part of the Trinity. So the Jews and the Christians saw he had no idea what he was talking about, and the pagans had no plans on throwing out their idols and only worshipping the moon god, who just happened to be the god of Muhammad's tribe. So Muhammad started attacking the Kaaba and breaking down the other gods, This did not go well with the pagans. The pagans went to his uncle and asked him to please speak to Muhammad and get them to leave them all alone. At this point, Muhammad had about a 100 followers. He had a revelation that three of the gods from the Ka'aba were actually real and they could be worshipped. He went to the pagans with this new revelation and the pagans agreed to sit down and listen to what Muhammad had to say. Muhammad's main message was that the Jews and the Christians had written down the stories from God, but they had written them down wrong, or they'd been corrupted over time. There is a book called the Quran, and it was a book that had been in heaven with Allah forever. It's always been and was eternal. This book, now Gabriel was coming down and telling Muhammad a few verses at a time, so he could tell everybody what was in this eternal book. After listening to everything he had to say, they all agreed. He was insane, and they laughed at him and walked away. The Jews and the Christians asked why he was allowing the worship of these three extra gods, and even his followers were confused by this. So Muhammad said he was mistaken, and it was Satan who had given him those verses and not Gabriel. These verses are in the Quran today, and they're known as the Satanic Verses. One day, Muhammad had a vision, or at least he claimed he had a vision, that he went up to heaven, and his heart was taken out, washed with faith, and then put back in. Then an animal that looked like a white horse was given to him, and the two of them went together to heaven. Now, Gabriel was the one who gave him a tour of heaven. He first meets Adam, and then John, and then Jesus. Then he meets Joseph, Aaron, Moses, and Abraham. Then he's told to drink. And he is offered three choices. There's milk, wine, and honey. Mohammed said, He'll have some milk, please. And he's told he passed the test. He's then allowed to go to the very special part of heaven, the part no one has ever been in before. When he gets to this special part of heaven, he's told he must tell his followers to pray 50 times a day. He then goes back to the part of heaven where he met Moses, and he told him, Hey, Allah said, we have to pray 50 times a day. And Moses was like, what? That's crazy. You your people can't pray 50 times a day. Go back and tell Allah that's way too much. So Muhammad went back to Allah and said, Moses says it's way too much. So then Allah changed it to 40. And so Muhammad goes back and tells Moses, well, now it's 40. Moses said, no, 40 is still nuts. So Muhammad went back again and said, Oh, 40 is still too much. They kept going back and forth and back and forth until they eventually they ended in five prayers a day. Ever since that day, his followers have been told to pray five times a day. Now, the followers of Muhammad and the pagans were really not getting along at all. One day, while they were having one of their five daily prayers, some pagans came into the prayer area to make fun of them. One of Muhammad's followers named Sadbo-Abi-Waku, took up a bone from an animal and hit the man. It's unsure if he killed the man or just hurt him, but there was blood and the war had started. The fighting was ongoing and Mohammed kept trying to convert all the pagans. Then his uncle died and shortly after that his wife died. The pagans decided the only way to get rid of all this trouble was to kill Mohammed, so they planned his murder. But Muhammad found out, and he took off with his 100 followers and went to a place called Medina. At this point, Muhammad was 52 years old, and it was the year 622. His followers called this year one, and so today the Islamic calendar is 622 years behind the rest of us. There were a lot of Christians and Jews in Medina. There were much more Christians than there had been in Mecca, Where he had come from. These Christians and Jews, however, didn't have the heresy doctrine the Christians in Mecca had. They agreed to listen to the teachings that Muhammad had, and they laughed it off. They did, however, agree to let him live in Medina with them. Here at Medina, Muhammad started a new strategy. Instead of speaking and trying to get followers, he decided to use money to do it. He started to attack the travelers on their way to Mecca, and he would take all their things, He told his followers if they helped him, they could keep the booty. And so he got a lot of followers. He also told them if they died in battle, they would go straight to heaven and get 77 virgins, who they could have sex with as often as they wanted. And Allah would turn them back into virgins after they had sex. He also had a vision from Allah that said that they could take the wives of the men they attacked as sex slaves. Muhammad got remarried. And then he got remarried again and then he got remarried again. Then one day, he was visiting his adopted son's tent, and he saw his daughter-in-law naked, and he made a comment like, Good gracious God! The wife told her husband what Muhammad had said, and his adopted son then said Muhammad could have his wife if he wanted. But that was a problem because she was his daughter-in-law, and then he had a vision saying, Stop saying no to things God's giving you. Also, adoption's now outlawed. So adoption was outlawed, making his adopted son no longer his son. And Mohammed then married his wife. Mohammed's closest friend had a little girl named Aisha, and by little girl I mean about six years old. Mohammed saw her playing with a doll under a tree. Mohammed married the six-year-old, but don't worry, he didn't have sex with her until she was nine. He would say later Aisha was his favorite wife. Muhammad had a lot of wives. He ended up with at least 11 possibly 12. One of his friends was kind of obsessed with Muhammad's wives and would tell Muhammad to make them cover themselves up more because he was always having thoughts about them when he saw them. This annoyed Muhammad who refused to tell his wives to cover up. Then one night one of his wives, the tall one, was going to the bathroom. The friend saw her and said, I recognize you and I know who you are. The wife ran back to Muhammad to complain about his creepy friend. Muhammad then had a vision from Allah that all women must be covered from head to toe, and from that night on, all of his female followers boiled in the hot Arabian sun, covered from head to toe. Around this time, Muhammad became a terrorizing leader. He would kill those who were not following him, and in just one day, he beheaded between 700 and 900 men. He then turns on the Christians and the Jews in Medina. He forces the Jews and the Christians to submit to Allah. They could submit by converting, paying a tax, or dying. Submit now is exactly how Allah forced followers and his new religion followed that to the point where they actually named themselves the word submit, which in Arabic is the word Islam. The Jews were forced to wear a Star of David on their clothing as a way to show they were Jews, and the Christians had a special belt they had to wear. Another man in history would copy this idea of having the Star of David pinned on the Jews, but we'll get to that man in a later podcast. In year 629, Yemen collapsed, and they looked to Muhammad to be their new leader. His power and military might grows even larger, and the next year, year 630, Muhammad returns to Mecca. Muhammad had left Mecca running for his life with only a 100 followers. He returns with an army of 10,000 men. They attack Mecca and convert everyone to submit. They would either pay a tax, convert to Islam, or be killed. They took down all the gods from the Kaaba except one god, the moon god, Allah. The Jews really, really didn't like Muhammad, and one Jewish woman pretending to be friends with him gave him some food. She poisoned him, and he died, in year 632, just two years after taking Mecca. Now there was a new religion, with thousands of followers, with control of land, but no leader. Who was going to lead it? There were two thoughts. One said it had to be a son or grandson of Muhammad. Others said it could be anyone who was high up in the military. These two groups were divided into the Shiite and the Sunni. The Shiite believe it must be a direct descendant of Muhammad. These two groups are still at war today. Four years later, Islam declared war on Jerusalem. It was controlled by Byzantine. This was the eastern part of the Roman Empire. After the Roman Empire fell apart, the eastern part of it became known as the Byzantine Empire. Jerusalem was under their control as it had been since our first episode. The Roman Empire had changed the name from Judah to Palestine in a way to wipe off the Jewish people, but the area was still inhabited almost entirely by Jewish people. The Muslims won the war and took Jerusalem. They would turn the Jews and Christians into second-class citizens. They could not work in the government, they could not hold any important jobs, they had to pay a tax and wear a belt or a star at all times. The church could not ring its church bells and if you were a Jew or a Christian and you saw a Muslim, you must cross the road right away so the Muslim does not have to be in your presence. The Jews and the Christians would live this way until the first crusade. We're going to talk about that in another episode. Now the Muslims realized something. They didn't have a holy book. The Quran had been spoken by Muhammad but had not really been put together as a book. There were pages spread out all over and some parts were memorized for people and not even written down at all. They decided they needed to put it all in one book. However, right after deciding that, a bunch of men died in battle and they were the men who had memorized most of the passages. Aisha had some pages under her bed and then a goat got into them and ate part of it. Some were written on leaves and hard to read. They put together what they had into one book and they called it the Quran. This, of course, when compared to how the Bible was preserved, is kind of shocking. Islam took control of most of North Africa and Asia, and these areas that had been strongholds for Christianity were suddenly gone. Christians who were only Christians for social status quickly converted to Islam. Those who were true followers of Jesus were either killed by beheading or reduced to second-class citizenship. The church at this point believed that Muhammad's followers were the Antichrist that Revelation had predicted. One church in Egypt was able to stay strong. They were the Copts. And today, they're the only church left in Egypt. But at this point, it's really only a form of Christianity. It looked like Islam was going to take over the entire world. And that was their goal. And that is still the goal today. Then in the year 673, Muslims attacked Constantinople. This was the capital of the Eastern Roman area. If they took Constantinople, they would control all of what is Europe today, Asia, Africa, and the Arabian Desert. They would have basically complete world domination. They fought Constantinople for five years. They came up against a man named Constantine IV. He not only defeated the Muslim army, but he kills the entire army. The line is drawn and the eastern area is kept free from Islam. By the 700s Islam was controlling Spain and Spain would not be free again until the year 1492 which by the way is the year America was discovered. Then came the battle, the Battle of Tours. In 732 the Muslim army marched into France and take control of France. They are met by Charles Mortel. People called him the Hammer. He ended the expansion of Islam. This was perhaps the most important battle of all time. If it had not been for this battle, we would probably be living under Sharia law today. If the Hammer had lost the battle, Islam would have moved into all of Europe, including Britain, and would have controlled the world, and it would have been Islam discovering the Americas today, and I would be wearing a burqa. The Battle of Tours was vital. Charles the Hammer had two sons, Charlemagne and Pepin. Next week, we're going to be talking about these boys, their sons, and how the Catholic Church became the Roman Catholic Church, how they began to pick kings, and how they became their own tiny country. You don't want to miss that, so subscribe so that you know when a new episode comes up. If you want to know more about the difference between Islam and Christianity, I have a video series called Islam versus Christianity and I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Until next time, please can you hit five stars and share this with your friends? That will help me out so much. I'm working on putting these stories into a book and having lots of subscribers and five stars would really help with that. In the meantime, for more podcast blogs and videos, visit lauraleesiemens.com.